Welcome back. This is Mark Steiner, and that's Jimi Hendrix playing the Star Spangled Banner at Woodstock as we embark on our conversation about the 4th of July and what it means. It's a holiday that Americans of all can celebrate around this country for different reasons in different places. It means a lot, but sometimes we always don't know our own history and the depth of that history and what it means and the parts that are really left out of it. Uh, we hear the story, especially around the African-American hero of the war, Christmas Attucks, but that's just the tip of the iceberg to the entire story of the complexities of that and what it says to us about where we are on this day in 2014. Uh, and we've gathered here a really fascinating panel. Uh, joining us uh, in studio here is Adar, Adar Ayira. She's project manager of the More in the Middle Initiative at the Associated Black Charities. She's a facilitator and analyst at Baltimore Racial Justice Action, which is a program, a program of fusion partnerships. She's a spoken word artist. One day we'll have to get her on just to do that. We haven't done that yet. Uh, joining us by phone is Dr. Alan Gilbert. Alan Gilbert's been on the, show, on the show before. He's the author of an incredible book. I say this every time I talk about it. Black Patriots and Loyalists, Fighting for Emancipation in the War of Independence. And Keith Snipes, who is an actor, narrator, writer, and social commentator, who's here for be a part of the panel, but for another special reason I'll tell you about in a moment. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Good to be here, Mark. Absolutely. So we're going to begin this conversation today um, talking about Frederick Douglass and hearing Frederick Douglass, actually. Um, Frederick Douglass made, gave this speech on, called The Meaning of the Fourth of July for the Negro. And he gave it on July the 5th, 1852, uh, in the midst of the uh, abolitionist struggle, when the abolitionist struggle was just was really heating up. It was uh, uh, after John Brown at Harper's Ferry, um, the African Americans across the country in the North and uh, were, were leading an effort, having meetings across the country, building this abolition movement with white allies who also were working together. Um, the uh, Underground Railroad was at its height, going north and going south. Um, it was an intense time in America uh, around the issue of, uh, of, of, of slavery, obviously. So Frederick Douglass gave the speech, a man we know that had escaped from slavery here in Maryland and became one of the leading figures uh, in the abolition movement and in politics in America. So he gave this speech uh, on this day in, in, uh, in 1852 in Rochester, New York, um, and the meaning of the July 4th for the Negro. And... Keith, Keith Snipes, uh, a wonderful actor, is going to start us off by reading a portion of that speech and give it give us some uh, meaning. That Keith, you want what are you going to just? You can set it up for us, or you can leap into it. I will uh, leap into it. Keith Snipes as Frederick Douglass giving the meaning of the July Fourth for the Negro speech. Fellow citizens, pardon me. Allow me to ask, why am I called upon to speak here today? What have I? those I represent to do with your national independence are the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied in that Declaration of Independence extended to us? And am I therefore called upon to bring our humble offerings to the national altar and to confess the benefits and express devout gratitude for the blessings resulting from your independence to us? 
would to God, both for your sakes and ours, that an affirmative answer could be truthfully returned to these questions, then would my task be light and my burden easy and delightful. For who is there so cold that a nation's sympathy could not warm him? Who so obdurate and dead to the claims of gratitude that would not thankfully acknowledge such priceless benefits? Who so stolid and selfish that would not give his voice to swell the hallelujahs of a nation's jubilee when the chains of servitude have been torn from his limbs? I am not that man. In a case like that, the dumb might eloquently speak and the lame man leap as an heart. But such is not the state of the case. I say it with a sad sense of disparity between us. I'm not included within the pale of this glorious anniversary. Your high independence only reveals the immeasurable distance between us. The blessings in which you this day rejoice are not enjoyed in common. The rich inheritance of justice, liberty, prosperity, and independence bequeathed by your fathers is shared by you, not by me. The sunlight that brought light and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me. This 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice. I must mourn. To drag a man in fetters into the grand illuminated temple of liberty and call upon him to join you in joyous anthems were in humane mockery and sacrilegious irony. Do you mean, citizens, to mock me by asking me to speak today? If so, there is a parallel to your conduct. And let me warn that it is dangerous to copy the example of nations whose crimes towering up to heaven, whose were thrown down by the breath of the Almighty, burying the nation in irrevocable ruin. I cannot take up the plaintive lament of appealed and woe-smitten people. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our hops upon the willows in the mist thereof. For there, they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they who wasted us required of us mirth saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the Lord's songs in a strange land? If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget my cunning. If do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. Fellow citizens, 
Above our national tumultuous joy, I hear the mournful wail of millions whose chains, heavy and grievous yesterday, are today rendered more intolerable by the jubilee shouts that reach them. If I do not forget, if I do not faithfully remember these bleeding children of sorry this day, May my right hand cleave to the roof of my mouth to forget them, to pass lightly over their wrongs, and to chime in with the popular theme would be treason most scandalous and shocking and would make me a reproach before God and the world. My subject then, fellow citizens, is American slavery. I shall see this day and its popular characteristics from the slave's point of view. Standing there, identified with the American bondman, making his wrongs mine, I do not hesitate to declare that all my soul that the character and conduct of this nation never looked blacker to me than on this 4th of July. Whether we turn to the declarations of the past or to the professions of the present, the conduct of the nation seems equally hideous and revolting. America is false to the past, false to the present, and solemnly, solemnly binds herself to be false to the future. Standing with God and the crushed and bleeding slave on this occasion, I will, in the name of humanity, which is outraged, in the name of liberty, which is fettered, in the name of the Constitution and the Bible, which is disregarded and trampled upon, dare to call in question and to denounce, with all the emphasis I can command, everything that serves to perpetuate slavery. The great sin shame of America. I will not equivocate. I will not excuse. I will use the severest language I can command, and yet not one word shall escape me that any man whose judgment is not blinded by prejudice shall not confess to be right and just. present, it is enough to affirm the equal manhood of the Negro race. It is not as astonishing that while we are plowing, planting, and reaping, using all kinds of mechanical tools, erecting houses, constructing bridges, building ships, working in metal of brass, iron, copper, and secretaries, having among us lawyers, doctors, ministers, poets, authors, editors, orators, and teachers, and that, while we are engaged in all matter of enterprises, common to other men, digging gold in California, capturing the whale in the Pacific, feeding sheep and cattle on the hillside, living, moving, 
acting, thinking, planning, living in families as husbands, wives, and children. And above all, confessing and worshiping the Christian's God and looking hopefully for life and immortality beyond the grave, we are called upon to prove that we are men. Thank you, Keith Snipes, reading Frederick Douglass's words in the last part of his speech that he gave um, for July 4th. Um, and uh, one of the most powerful speeches given at that moment about this time, nobody could have done it but Frederick Douglass, um, and uh, the meaning of the 4th of July for the Negro. Thank you, Keith, My very pleasure. much for that. Thank you. That set the tone, and we're here with Keith and Adora Ayira and Dr. Alan Gilbert. <clears throat> and Alan, let, let me start with you, if I can the conclusion of the speech, because it's interesting. One of the things that Frederick Douglass does in the beginning of the speech is he lodged the men who led the revolution as admirable men, as men who for, gave everything up they could to fight for their country and to, to create liberty and freedom. And, and he says to the, 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 the onlooking crowd, but you know that story better than I. And that's when Keith picked up to piece of speech, but that's not why I'm here. Um, and so in, it's an important piece because probably even then many didn't know the real story of what happened in the American Revolution and the complexity of it. Because all we're ever given is Christmas addicts being the first man to die in the revolution, a black man is all we're ever given. But you have t- attempted to delve into that complexity. So start us off with the complexity of that, of, of that time and what you, what you unearthed. Well, fascinatingly, <clears throat> there were lots of Americans, particularly poor white Americans as well as blacks, who hated slavery. And this is before the revolution. And when... Um, sailors impressed by the British Navy, forces of the British Navy, black and white, went to the Caribbean where there were slave revolts. They identified with the slaves completely. And so all the crowds in the American Revolution um, would have been for abolition. And furthermore, not that it bubbled up to the top as much as it could have, um, And furthermore, black soldiers were relied on by Washington to fight against the British, who had freed and recruited maybe 100,000 black soldiers. So there was this huge effort to recruit blacks on the American side. And at the Battle of Yorktown, the crucial battle of the American Revolution, the one that defeated Cornwallis and decided the whole thing, a German private fighting for the Americans, the French, walked around the field of battle afterwards and wrote in his diary, the majority of the corpses, most of the corpses lying around the field on both sides were more than blacks, most of the soldiers. So what Frederick Douglass is appealing to is the enormous experience of bondage, and he elsewhere discusses how you respect us as men because we fought in the Civil War where blacks were also, particularly after the Emancipation Proclamation, the majority of um, Civil War soldiers on the northern side and decisive in victory. So it's really both things ought to be memorialized on the 4th of July. Um, The other thing I'd like to say about this is 
this is one of the great pieces of American work. I mean, what he says here about how your 4th of July is no celebration to us, to me, is so riveting that probably it's one of the five or ten greatest speeches made in this country, and it ought to be recognized. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's absolutely true. And, and, and Dara, I, I want to, to – there's something that came out of this book that you and I talked about before it went on the air. And I want to just comment a bit about this because I think people don't know this. <clears throat> you can give your thoughts and comments as you express them and even more. And, and, I'll, and I'll let then Alan and, and Keith jump in on this as well. One of the things I learned so deeply from the book that Alan wrote, when I heard this word before, never understood its real depth, that John Murray, the fourth Earl of Dunmore, made this Dunmore's Proclamation. Uh, and basically calling on the British to, to – if I have this complete wrong, Alan, you can correct me what I left out. The calling, calling upon the British to uh, turn to the African-Americans, to the, the black man and black people in America, the slaves, and say, come fight for the British for your freedom and you will be free. And the British didn't buy into it. The government didn't buy into Dunmore's whole idea. And I sometimes posited, as Alan and I talked about before, that if, if they had done that, there is a likelihood the Americans may not have won that war had the, the masses of slaves riven up and become an army for the British. And I was thinking about this the other day as I was going at the, I was at the meat, at market and somebody was talking about the war, being in a war. I said, the war is ugly. We went back and forth. And he said, well, my family fa- fought in the war uh, and they fought for um, – in the American Revolution. And I maybe popped my head was, but I could see somebody, a black man sitting next to him going, my family fought in the revolution for liberty as well. On the other side. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what? It, it is the duality or, or should I say the schizophrenia that, that is America. And um, I shared with, with both you and Keith off the air that I have read this speech every 4th of July for the past 20-some years. I, I love it. Um, there's a, a part in there, Keith, that it talked about false to the past – false to the present and solemnly Mm -hmm. false Mm -hmm. to the the future. future. And um, in reference to the story of the the British, you know, one of the things that happens is that we celebrate Fourth of July thoughtlessly. We celebrate it as a matter of course, but we never really think about what it is that we are celebrating. African-Americans, the whole course of our history, the the whole course of our freedom journey might have been different had the British won. Yet we celebrate in celebrating the 4th of July, not only the fact that they didn't, but the fact that because they didn't, we were enslaved and our enslavement continued for generations. What what is it that we are really celebrating if we're celebrating that? What is it that, because you spoke about um, a lot of white anti-racist, the term that we use now, and, and that's true, there have always been. What are we celebrating when we celebrate that without celebrating the people who were fighting for emancipation, who were fighting for equity, when do we have celebrations acknowledging that? 
Much like Herman Cain, I have a lot of stuff twirling around in my head. So, so let me Hope try. Kind of different me, kind of right, stuff. Right, right. So, so, so let me let me just say this: that I think uh, I think uh, you're absolutely right that uh, we don't really give a lot of thought to uh, our celebratory moments on 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 Fourth of July, nor do we on any other holiday, really. But uh, but. Uh, Fact is, I think when when Frederick Douglass uh, presented this speech, I think he became not a forefather. He became the forefather. He became a father because what he was doing was saying to this nation, as it was situated at that particular time, uh, what he was trying to do is instill in this nation a more mature level of patriotism. Because that's what the Fourth of July, when you ins- when you when you uh, distill it and boil it and all of those things, it is about patriotism, and and what he was trying to do is create a sense of a mature patriotism that would allow America to be more grown up and therefore better. But uh, I think what we have done is we have bought into that patriotism that allows you to not only be false to the past, the past, but to forget the past. In fact, uh, uh, I think, I'm I'm not sure who said this, but someone said, someone uh, 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 scholarly said that to be American is to forget the past. So Hmm. I think that what Frederick Douglass was trying to do was hold America accountable for all that it had said it was in the past and all that it had not uh, manifest at that particular time and still has not manifest at this particular time. So when we celebrate 4th of July, if in fact you do, then we ought to remember it's a very complex holiday that comes with a great deal of diverse remembrances. And baggage. And baggage. So let me ask these questions about that. Go ahead, Alan, then I will ask my questions. Go ahead. Alan, please. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I think that um, banishing founding amnesias and not speaking as, so to speak, slaves or serfs to our masters, but actually trying to found a multiracial society and an honorable one, which includes everyone, um, means that we have to consider things like, um, as Samuel Johnson, the British essayist, says of the Decor- of the First Continental Congress, how come we hear the greatest yelps for liberty from the drivers of slaves? Mm-hmm. Right? So the British Empire is not good either. Mm-hmm. But in right. this situation... They actually represented freedom for the most oppressed people to a considerable extent, much greater than the Americans did. And so um, the Americans had to recruit the slaves to fight. And then the good part of the Declaration of Independence is the Bill of Rights, and about black people, though not about Native Americans. The, you know, the eventually... Uh, there was there was gradual emancipation in the North, so the North was created by the American Revolution. But if you imagine the British winning more, 
either the Americans would have had to free the slaves throughout the country, or the revolution was sunk by the stone. And if the British had won, relying completely on black troops, which is the only way they could have won and done more, pushed for this throughout the revolution, then, and more so toward the end, then um, it's quite possible that slavery would have ended earlier. And here's another point, which is really worth thinking about. Every other independence movement in the hemisphere freed slaves. There was no slavery after them. Haiti was made, independence was made by a slave uprising. And in Venezuela, Bolivar was supported by Haiti and proclaimed gradual emancipation. Our country is peculiar in its grip to slavery and taking a civil war to dislodge it and then the establishment of Jim Crow and today the prison system and a whole bunch of other things. So it really could have been avoided a lot of it. It's worth thinking about how. We can explore that when we come back from this brief break here in a moment. I I think that what you said is is very true. I mean, whether you look at the Andean Revolution or the Mexican Revolution, many of the leaders of that revolution and people who fought those revolutions were Afro-Latinos, slaves and freemen who fought in those revolutions, and they were an integral part of those revolutions. I think that that's a piece of history that that we also don't talk about. Um, It was really recorded well in this new book called The Empire of Necessity, which is really a well-done book about that period of time. And and, and that is absolutely true. We should explore what that what if when we come back from this, a quick break. Um, And I have some other questions about how we should be celebrating this holiday, what it should mean. Um, Can you still celebrate it? Can you be a patriot? What does patriot mean? Uh, And how do we do it? Because... uh, many brothers and sisters of all hues fought for this country in one way or the other. Uh, and uh, so well, let's get back into all that when we come back. We'll be right back with our guests as we explore this 4th of July with Keith Snipes, Adar Ayira, and Alan Gilbert. Don't go away. On our way to break, here we go. It's Gil Scott Heron, one of the greats, Winter in America. Winter in America. Full of power and glory, beauty that words cannot recall. All her power shall rest on the strength of her freedom. Glory shall rest on us all. From Colorado, Kansas, as we continue our conversation about the Fourth of July, we're coming back here with you with Phil Oakes singing the great song he wrote, "The Power and the Glory." Welcome back. Here we are with uh, Alan Gilbert, John Evans Professor at the Joseph Corbel School of International Studies at the University of Denver, the author of Black Patriots and Loyalists, Fighting for Emancipation in the War of Independence, Ardar Ayira, Project Manager of the More in the Middle Initiative at Black, Associated Black Charities, also facilitator and analyst at Baltimore Racial Justice Action, a program of fusion of partnerships, and is also a spoken word artist. Uh, Keith Snipes, actor, narrator, writer, and social commentator, as we explore this 4th of July. Uh, and what it means for all of us. And um, so, I mean, let's pick up a, a little bit of what Alan was saying at the very end here about what he was describing might reinterpret how we should think about this. 
how we should think about celebrating yeah. this holiday, if we should celebrate it at all. I would argue we should. Uh, you about, know, let's talk yeah, about why. Yeah, because, you know, celebratory is, you know, that, that word sounds, uh, as Frederick Douglass might describe it, full of mirth. That that word is happy and 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 energetic. Um, I don't think that uh, as a black man, I can uh, celebrate the Fourth of July in that vein. I think the Fourth of July does, however, have a purpose. It gives us an opportunity to reflect as we are doing and allow us to maybe pull the kernel of, of truth out of that false uh, pass and 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 try to reconcile where we were then and, and, and where we are now. Can I just say something very quick as an edit? Uh, and to sure. my mind, uh, uh, when I hear uh, uh, our ancestors referred to as slaves, mm-hmm. that sounds false to the past. While they were enslaved, yes. they didn't volunteer. Right. I think the, those who were uh, who enslaved them, they were slaves because they were voluntarily addicted to a horrible condition. Those who were forced to undergo that condition, they were enslaved. And I think that distinction at least warrants some consideration. But uh, mm-hmm. but given that they were enslaved and that I, being one of their uh, uh, descendants find it really difficult to celebrate the holiday, but I do acknowledge the holiday <clears throat> as an opportunity to reflect. I I agree with everything that you've said. You know, language is very powerful, and I have never heard on a radio show, on a TV show, any place that is within shaping the popular narrative of this country. I've not heard Thomas Jefferson or George Washington or anyone else that we consider, quote-unquote, founding fathers, being referred to by course as enslavers. Never. And, I mean, you know, somebody or another person may say they were, but as a matter of course, when we describe who they are as president, as, you know, signers of this declaration, as, as, as authors, we, we do not, in, in terms of, of general course and in the popular imagination, refer to them as enslavers. So every time when we use the language of slave, and describe a condition as being who a person is or who a people were, then we are using 16th, 17th, 18th century language in the 21st century. So even our language continues to condone and to maintain who people were, and it covers a crime that happened. In terms of whether we should celebrate or not, I, I really like the point of reflection. And while we are reflecting, as we also um, reflect upon the 50th anniversary of um, the Civil Rights Act, you know, right at the start, when there was a Civil Rights Act, there also was this really aggressive campaign of um, going after people for drugs, Right. Targeted to Mm -hmm, mm African-American black and brown communities. Right after that, um, there was, you know, this um, not only mass incarceration, but 
a a very concentrated and systemic destabilization in urban communities in terms of of the prices of our houses, in terms of um, businesses closing because they could not get loans. I, I mean, Mark, just even as we made some progress, we also took some steps back that were codified by law or custom. As we are reflecting and congratulating ourselves, if we are serious about telling the truth and the full story, we also have to reflect upon and discuss these types of things because it wasn't and it still isn't just about enslavement. It is also about the ways in which equity is being undermined right now, even in the midst and course of our celebration of who we say we are. So let's talk about how we approach this. I was thinking as you were speaking, I was thinking about two men that I know very well. One is there's a dear friend of mine who's a Kiowa, Native American man. He lives on the uh, Wind River Reservation, which is a rap on Shoshone. He married into that res. And we were driving down Northern Parkway. He'd come to visit, and we were leaving my daughter's house, and we were driving down there. And he said, make a U-turn quick. I said, what's up? He said, make a U-turn. So I made a U-turn. There was an American flag sitting in the snow. And he jumped out and grabbed the flag and put it in the car. So we drove off, and I was going off to get some sodas and stuff for the kids at the house. And I said, man, why'd you do that? You know, I mean, the flag, what that flag has done, tried to wipe out all your people. He said, yeah, a lot of my people died because of that flag, but also a lot of my brothers died under that flag, Mm. fighting. Mm -hmm. And I remember my first father-in-law, Willie Stone, grew up in Georgia. As the as the son of uh, the farmers, and um, you know, who the, they tried to steal away as a young black man, the young black boy, and his grandmother, who had been a slave with a shotgun, saved him from mm-hmm. the paddy rollers who were going to take him, try to make him work in the fields. And he served in the navy during World War II, and we used to always have Fourth of July picnics at his house. Um, and um, well, after my first marriage ended, we all stayed friends. We used to have you know dinners together. And uh, I remember Willie Stone saying one day that, you know, he said, there's a lot I don't like about white people and this country. He said, but I know men around me who died under that flag, and I'm celebrating. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying there's contradictions. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not, nothing is linear or simple mm-hmm. in all of this. Agreed. Right? Agreed. Mm-hmm. Could, could I... Um, it seems to me that the question of celebrating in full knowledge or honoring in full knowledge is the real issue. So yeah. as we should refer to the fact that the presidents were enslavers 52 out of the first 72 years of the republic. Eight of our presidents owned slaves. That, that should be underlined Yes, every time, and I speak about it often because it shocks people, but that's who the presidents were the only ones elected twice. So we should note that indigenous people uh, were killed and pushed onto reservations all across the country, starting in New England, uh, with horrors in the West, and that this is really a central part of America. And when one celebrates America, 
It is the vision of the America to be the inclusive America, to be not the genocidal America of the past and to a very large extent the present. That is, consider that indigenous people are still, say, Pine Ridge, the poorest communities in the country. Um, consider that we still have 25% of the world's prisoners, um, many of whom are white, the majority of whom are black and Latino. And, 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 and as we, as we uh, uh, come upon this 4th of July, uh, Washington, D.C. is wrestling with whether or not they should change the name of their football team. And and many, many of our fellow citizens right. are uh, adverse to them changing their name because of tradition. Well, fact is, the name ought to be changed because of tradition, if I can just put that on the record. But I think what also becomes important here, Mark, is, uh, you know, what, what do we mean by independence? Uh, and, and I think that when uh, uh, the American Revolution, I'm not even sure you should call it that, if, uh, you know, when that was fought, the independence was about freedom from tyranny, it was about breaking from the British. So ultimately, that independence is about freedom. Then it becomes important to define freedom. What does that mean? I think there is even a divide with respect to that question because freedom, based on uh, what I know, what I've read, uh, uh, freedom for the forefathers was ownership of property. Freedom was the acquisition of guns. Freedom was the domination of women and children and, and people of color. That's what freedom represented to them. It was all right. about external uh, 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 taking and, 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 and nothing that had anything to do with anything that can be remotely seen as moral. Freedom, you brought up the, civil, the 50th anniversary of the civil rights, uh, uh, the March on Washington. Mm-hmm. That, that was a different kind of freedom. That freedom was an internal freedom where one had the freedom of motion, where one had the freedom to be black and not be in fear of that, where one, it was personal freedom. What they talked about was a collective freedom that was solely and exclusively and purely for white males first and white females by extension. So you're talking about a freedom of self-interest. A freedom of self-interest. As, as, as opposed to... A freedom of self. Freedom. A freedom, yes, freedom of self-interest as opposed to freedom of self. You know what, Mark? I, I mean, this we celebrate this holiday mindlessly, and we all can really give it meaning um, if we want to. When we talk about the DREAM Act, when we talk about changing the name of the Washington home team, when we talk about, you know, heck, citizens in Washington, D.C., who are still trying to get full representation and, and voting rights, um, when, when we talk about even supporting organizations, and I'm going to take a moment of self-interest here and throw out Associated Black Charities, when we talk about organizations that are on the front lines trying to make systemic and structural change so that everybody can experience freedom of self in America. We do not connect acts like that 
to the 4th of July or to anything else. So my question would be whether we are celebrating, whether we are reflecting, what is it that we are really doing? It, it seems as if we're just celebrating the day off, really, because there's still work to be done, and we are abdicating that work through our inaction. But let me ask you this, through this question and push that a bit further. I was just thinking as you were saying it, what, what do we want to think about on this holiday? What do we, what do we want to remember? Um, I mean, one quick thing, there was a man named Paul Jennings, and Paul Jennings was owned by Thomas Jefferson. He sold to President Madison when he left the White House with a promise that he would be free when he was six, after 16 years. That was the deal they made. And then just before the 16 years, Madison sold Mr. Jennings to somebody else. So <laughs> this deal went down in the White House, right? So, um, and that's, but so what I say that to say that on two, on two levels, A, what is it we should do on this holiday to think about and and wrestle with and and have all of America kind of talk about together? But B, recognize the celebration at the same time. It's also some people would argue it's also not a time for solemnity. It's also a time for family and for celebration. And the notion of freedom and liberty did erupt around the world in many ways because of the American Revolution. It affected those enslaved and those enslaved infected the notion of liberty because they pushed the notion of liberty out to the entire world for their fight for their own liberation. So I'm saying it's, it's it, there's a complex, again, I, I like, I want to wrestle, I like wrestling with the complexities of it, not just, yeah, I mean, I, that, 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 so it's both something, how do we redefine how we celebrate this holiday and talk about it and, and address it? And what do we celebrate? The, the fact that there was but, but I, this, this I, go, go ahead, Alan. Yeah, go ahead, Alan. Um, just uh, um, the American Revolution resulted because of pressure from below in the f- gradual emancipation throughout the North. There would not be a North, a free North, to which people could flee, but for the American Revolution. So one of the things to say in celebrating the Fourth of July is that's the truth about the American Revolution. The greatest thing in the American Revolution was that it freed some slaves and that people fought so hard from below to free slaves. Second thing is the central demand of the American Revolution was no taxation without representation. And black sailors actually pushed this demand in Massachusetts, um, centrally, saying, how about us? We pay taxes. We don't get the vote. You're complaining about Britain. Well, the civil rights movement, people fought and died for the right to vote. So it isn't enough, as the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party and its experience showed. But, in fact, the Constitution, reactionary document in many ways, though it is, does enshrine the right to vote. And making everybody recognize it's free, there being no more poll taxes, no more exclusion, no more driver's licenses, et cetera, et cetera, manipulations of the kind going on right now is vital to the future of a decent multiracial regime. Finally, the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights is about freedom of conscience and freedom of speech. It's an equal freedom. It is a freedom for all citizens. The bigots and slave owners and sexists who created the United States, and they are in many ways a very ugly crew, um, nonetheless, 
did bring those rights as rights into the world. And that's important. You know what? I, I would say a little bit different, that it provided a framework, but a lot of the examples that you gave were won, not because of that, but because there were people who died for that. This, when when the American Revolution was a revolution fought and was a revolution that helped usher in white supremacy. We can't... It didn't usher I mean, in, it was already I mean, here. Well, it, thank you. It was, it was already <laughs> here, so it, it helped codify it. And, and we can't just ignore that, you know, or say, oh, that's a complexity. No, that is a reality that's, that laid a foundation for our country that we have been fighting to correct ever since. So we've got to lay that out there, too, as part of this whole thing. And so many people have died for the freedom of self that people of color are now beginning to experience in the the fullness of its bloom. So to to say that it was something that was created or manifested or, you know, ushered in by um, our history is is so... um, What was manifested in Russia? Well, I I mean, the the fact that the... um, we are now, you know, we've elected a black president or or we can go to different colleges or whatever you want to say um, about where we are now and the, the freedom, quote unquote, that we have now. We just can't say that it is because of, you know, what happened then, that it's because of the Bill of Rights, that it is because of the Civil War or the American Revolution or whatever. Was. Mark, of course it was. It, it, no. It is it is because people died and and I'm it is because they were concerted organizing efforts that recognized that rights in this country were for whites only and there were people generations of people beginning with those who were enslaved who fought who fought who died to to recognize, to realize, to make space, to have space made in this country for them and their rights. It wasn't this country giving it to them. It was them fighting for it. I don't think – not think anybody, anybody here even said anything about giving. Um, I, I mean I, and I, I agree with that. I mean I think that everything was a struggle and a fight uh, from the very beginning and, and I – you know, I think that the codification of this notion of not this notion, the idea of white supremacy didn't wasn't this, wasn't the Revolutionary War. It was the beginning. No, it was the beginning. No, I'm. You're right. It was the it, beginning. It was. It, it, it was in the life's blood and DNA of the, the country. More than the country. I mean, the, the, it's even more than the country. I mean, there would be no Western capitalism as we know it today had there not been slavery. Right. The, 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 not, not, there was already slavery in many parts of the world. All over the world, not, without not, the inci- not this brand, not, right? Not, this not country this brand was of built enslavement. on it, not the, right. inci- yeah, not the inci- institutionalization right. and commercialization right. of slavery that happened, that allowed the, the Industrial Revolution, that allowed the beginning of the mills in Britain, that allowed the mills in New England to be built. 
None of that would have happened. The enslavement of Africans, the enslavement of Africans was America's first economic system. Yes. It evolved into capitalism. Mm. It evolved into capitalism. What, 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 what those, uh, those who, who, who enslaved Africans were attempting to do was survive, but put in very little work. But let me say, but let me say, Africans weren't, they weren't, they did not come here. Our history in this country did not begin with our Absolutely enslavement not. here. Absolutely not. We, we so, were not. So I'm, I'm going to bring it back to the 4th of July for a moment. Yes. Because we can argue. We were talking about the 4th of July. Right. Because that's, that's part <laughs> of our show. Exactly. To be clear. Go ahead, Alan. Go ahead. Which is, um, <laughs> it seems to me to go along with this, that if we think about great heroes in American history, we think about all of these people who fought from below and they are symbolized by Harriet Tubman and John Brown and Frederick Douglass. Um, they are symbolized by uh, Paul Robeson and Malcolm X and Martin King. And the greatest heroes of this movement and of this country have actually, and this also includes, if, you, if this is a patriotic day, I often say this sarcastically about the daughters of the American Revolution, which exclude black people as much as they can. They've just gotten to the point where they're accepting people now. It's the exact opposite. The American Revolution relied on black patriots. The Civil War in the North relied on black soldiers. You want to honor patriotism, boy, you better include black people right up at the forefront. And I would like to include all of these heroes also whom I mentioned. But but the patriotism has to be one that is mature in the in the in the in the vein of of what Frederick Douglass was trying to convey. Uh, there are not many Americans, particularly white Americans, who will say to you, "I am not patriotic." They will attest that they are patriotic. But then, if you ask them to I tell used to me draw something, the dollar bill when they talked about patriotism. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me something about your country. What is it? What is it that makes you love your country so much? What is it that makes you want to lay down your life for your country? Where does your patriotism stem from? And 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 most of the time, you will get a childlike answer, something that uh, someone fed to them, they swallowed and then regurgitated. So that is not patriotism, that's conformity. Patriotism is knowing your history, recognizing the good, the bad, and the ugly, and creating some reconciliation for a better future. That's patriotism. But what we're talking about here is a patriotism that amounts to nothing but 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 stagnation that allows America to get off the hook and move forward okay, so, in the same vein. So in these last few minutes we have left, I'm really interested and we'll explore maybe another day even in greater depth, how you do that, how you make that how you turn that. I don't I mean I know that I mean, I've been in the middle of it for the last 50 odd years. So I understand that we, we, you have to fight and organize mm-hmm. for change. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come, you've got to fight for it and make it happen. Absolutely. So that's a story that we know that I know that story, and I, and I believe in it. That's how I live my life. But when it comes to using days like this that we're about to celebrate tomorrow, then we have to think about how we use that day both to celebrate it and to learn from it. Who, who we really are as a people. Remember, people always just talk about integration, going integrate into what? Well, I'm interested in the to what. 
Mm-hmm. We are building. Mm-hmm. You know what? Out of this. The, I mean, Alan's book, you know, I think could be a great starting place for restructuring the, the holiday to include. I mean, if we're talking about Harriet Tubman, if we're talking about Frederick Douglass, if we're talking about all of those people, heroes, freedom fighters who are now nameless and faceless, if we include them in the American narrative that we celebrate by rote, I think that that is a good beginning. If we have a more inclusion in the story that we are telling to to do what Keith is suggesting, um, talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly, not to condemn, not to, you know, to say, oh, wow, this happened, or for anybody to feel bad, but to say, you know what, here is a roadmap, and we have two choices of where we can go. We can go the way that leads us back to where we've been, or we can go the way that leads us to the future that we say that we want to have. So if we the fuller the story that we get, the more information we have to make conscious choices about the 4th of July and about our country in general. I, I think that on this day, we, as we stand as a nation now, we celebrate nothing. We reflect on everything. And then when we move from that reflection where we have learned on our way to a better place, then we'll have something to celebrate. But for me, celebration is too polysyllabic a word. Agreed. Agreed. Alan, your your final very quick thought. Well, this is a day that often celebrates war. And the majority of Americans, the vast majority of Americans, do not want the wars on offer from the crazy folks who got us into Iraq and even more limited wars. And I suspect drones and other things that Barack has gotten himself into. And I think the main thing to celebrate on the 4th of July, or to stand for on the 4th of July, is to American militarism, no. Yeah, and I, I appreciate all of you being here, and I think about this a lot, and, and I and I and I think that for me, this is always it's a time to hear the speech and read it by Frederick Douglass. You know, it's a time for us, I think, to celebrate the notion of freedom and liberty and where it came from, um, and to open the stories more so we understand who we are fully and think about what this is that we're building in the future, um, and um, and I think I, I do kind of. Think about all the men and women who came before me um, that fought for freedom and liberty in the struggle to end slavery, to fight through all this, you know. I thought I think about the now almost 190 names that they have found of cold cases they have not resolved from the civil rights movement mm-hmm. that, you know, when I'm going to get in that list and we're going to read that entire list on the air mm-hmm. of all the people who were murdered and killed during our struggle to end segregation and racial terror in the South. So all that we do solemnly, but we also, I think, have to celebrate. You know, I think that the trouble with the movement is sometimes we get so dour, we forget to, if you don't celebrate, people ain't coming. So <laughs> we got to do a little bit of all that to get to Therein lies the problem. Therein lies the problem. Yes. Well, I'm going to thank all right. for you. This has been a great conversation. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Adara, you're yeah. always a pleasure having you in the studio. Thank it, you so I much. I love being here. Thank you. Keith Science, my good, dear friend, thank good to have you here. Absolutely. Much. Thank you so much. Alan Gilbert, thank you so much. Thank you. Everybody, do whatever you do. Enjoy the fourth. <laughs> <laughs>
What more appropriate way to end this conversation today about the 4th of July than to hear the late, great Marvin Gaye as he sang the Star Spangled Banner at the 1983 All-Star Game. Can you see Why?